0: Hi there. Welcome to my Autism Tribe. Today I'm speaking with an autism dad, Tim. So oftentimes we are listening to the voices of mothers to children on the spectrum, but Tim is going to share all about his journey with his son Rafa and how he's educating and supporting the autism community from a dad's perspective. Keep listening. He's absolutely awesome. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you could rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend. It helps make our voice is stronger. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to My Autism Tribe, an organization of advocates that are educating, supporting, and empowering those in our communities. We are one voice made stronger. I'm your host, Susan Scott. I started following Tim through his Instagram account at Autism Dads because a dad's perspective is just as important as a mother's when raising a child on the spectrum. Tim knew this and wanted to connect with the autism community. Along the way, he has provided support for so many people, mothers like me included, and has also learned so much from others, which he shares with us. He has struggled with anxiety, just like a lot of us, and he is such an awesome advocate for a son. Please join me in welcoming Tim. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on the show today because I've been following you for a while and you have an awesome Instagram account and I'm always so interested in hearing what the dads have to say. So thank you for that. Yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah, of course.
0: So you've been an autism dad for how long? How long have you been, I guess, a father to Rafa, your son?
1: Yep. Yep. So Rafa just turned five in December. So while we didn't get the diagnosis till just before his third birthday, we were absolutely dealing with um, autistic uh, challenges almost since birth.
0: Okay. Can so, you yeah, describe a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Okay. So he, he, um he was born premature, five weeks preterm. Um, we spent a whole lot of time in the NICU. Um, and so a lot of the stuff there um, we, we were dealing with actually ended up being related to hypotonia which um i guess you could call a comorbid or coexisting condition um a common one for for those with autism mm-hmm. um so it's where the muscle tone just isn't um kind of there's supposed to be a tension there across the muscles that that he didn't have so specifically for him at that age his suck swallow wasn't there so feeding whether it was um breastfeeding or bottle feeding was really really a struggle mm-hmm. so he wasn't gaining weight um and we just had more in, like he started Therapies at about four months old um, to just try to help with everything related to the hypotonia and and some stuff that went on there. To it kind of ended up actually being childhood apraxia of speech, um, okay, which, or uh, verbal dyspraxia.
0: Yeah, sure. And that's fra- yeah, it's interesting because my son Alex had trouble latching. Uh, he did mm-hmm. fine with the bottle, but. You know, you kind of look back when your child receives the diagnosis. My son received his diagnosis at the age of two and a half, but you look back before that period of time after receiving the, before the diagnosis and you're, you start kind of connecting the dots with some of the things, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I got it. Maybe, okay, that makes sense why he did that or why he didn't do that. So that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, especially as, as, you know, of course, and you know, as, as you learn more, you know, we were at like two and a half years. And I think the first, we had been pretty certain of the childhood apraxia of speech and, and got that out of the way. But during that evaluation is the first time we really heard the word autism. And it was kind of like, no, you know, based on the few things that we do know about it, that doesn't seem right. And our trusted speech therapist was like, I don't think so. And my mom, who's a preschool teacher of 25 years was like, I don't, I don't see it. Um, But then we had some doctors that, you know, at, in the moment you question them, like, I don't, I don't think that's right or I don't know what you're talking about. And then later in hindsight, you're kind of like, that's, you know, in this case they know what they're doing and they were right.
0: Yeah. We actually had to bring it up with our doctor and, uh, Mm. and had to actually force it almost because just like with parents, we're guilty of, you know, whenever there's something wrong with our child or ourselves or a loved one or whatever, we start Googling. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I started seeing these little quirky things like around 18 months and then there, he, he kind of stopped checking some of the boxes off you know the milestone boxes and I'm thinking to myself mm-hmm. well that doesn't well I know boys develop later than girls and so but none of it was making sense so I start googling you know and you go down this rabbit hole mm-hmm. but one word that always kept coming up was autism and so at the two year visit is when we started kind of the early intervention things like speech and OT mm-hmm. and I I would constantly question them. Do you think he's on the spectrum? And they're like, "Oh, I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> not." You know, no one could would would give us an, an answer. Mm-hmm. And all I really wanted was someone just to be honest with me and just like, okay, off record, do you think this? And no right. one still would. So, um, mm-hmm. so Rafa got his diagnosis at the age of three. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: And it was something that we weren't. <clears throat> we were ready. We were ready for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. He definitely, you know, if if I'm going to use the term like a special, he special. He had special needs since the the second he was born. Um. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't. It wasn't. When we got to the point where it was starting to talk about an autism diagnosis, it was a little bit of denial, like on some of my wife and the family. I started embracing it quickly because I realized that we could use the system to get more services that way, whether it was autism or not, yeah. it would open a whole new door, like through our insurance and through other things. So I was like, who cares if it is or it isn't like Absolutely. we can get more services. And then after, you know, hearing the word and starting to read very quickly things and consume all the everything I could on it, I kind of was like, yeah, I definitely think he is. Um, So let's, let's work towards that. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's an interesting time. Everyone goes through it and deals with the diagnosis differently. And especially when we're talking younger kids, you know, two, three, four, it's it's clearly a very different journey when the kid is 10, 12, 30, 40, sure. whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yep, at three, he was considered uh, autism spectrum disorder.
0: Okay. And I, I, a lot of, and this is something that I've heard and I know uh, my, husband and I are now divorced so my ex-husband but he it was something that he really I think kind of struggled with you know receiving the Mm -hmm. diagnosis and I hear that a lot of dads do and why do you think that is and it sounds like you didn't have really a whole lot of struggle maybe that's because Rafa had some special needs from a very like since birth but why do you think that is?
1: Mm. My first thought there is, and this i don't this isn't my experience, but you know that they there's all kinds of studies that there's like um some brain changes when like uh, a, your partner gets pregnant, so as a as a male when my partner would get pregnant that um you know they men question like is it mine and you know oh, sometimes yeah. very irrational thoughts that they go through, and sure. i think it I think it's just the extension of that in like you know I'm supposed to be you know, we have this historic model of father that's protector and, and, um, kind of this all knowing figure. Um, and I think there's just, it just leaks into that kind of mindset. That's like, it couldn't be, it can't be like, um, you know, like not my kid. Right. And then there's the more realistic stuff that, that we're all dealing with as parents, whether there's special needs or autism or anything is the expectations that we're building kind of, pre child or you know even as they're younger, and we build these expectations i wanted I picked the name Rafa based on partly on a, a an athlete that I love and wanted so much to see a soccer jersey with Rafa on the back of it, you know, which still yeah. totally could happen, but you know we have all these preconceived notions, and I think for fathers, you know we struggle with talking about the the deeper, warmer uh more human emotions yeah. um just kind of traditionally and and I think that just it all just builds into this stereotype that, uh, men can't handle stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And for me, I was a little bit fortunate in that, um, I, I started exploring my own kind of mental health issues in, in like my mid, early mid thirties. Mm-hmm. So, um, at that point, you know, it's something that I, we had, I had ignored, we, as in my, my parents and family, you know, I dealt with some stuff as a kid, but we never saw much of it. And I've always been um, successful in what I'm doing and a, a, a proper functioning member of society, I guess.
0: Uh huh.
1: But so, in the years leading up to to having my first son, I had gone through diagnosis process and be diagnosed with bipolar, tattoo, um, okay. pretty serious anxiety, um, and then all of the the kind of ups and downs that go with both of those. Which is, I'm hypomanic, which means I'm more productive than most, ninety five percent of other people, right. and I deal with a lot of kind of mixed state depression. So, um, I spent a lot of time in, in some self-contained darkness. Yeah. So going through that, I think helped me be able to talk, you know, I, then I was going through therapy and on medications and trying to figure myself out. So we'd had that exercise, my wife and I at least had that exercise of talking through, um, what I'm feeling and whether that was an expletive laced, you know, rant at some guy that cut across the crosswalk or, Me and her really connecting and talking about, you know, that I, my problems in high school probably had to do with me being um, had, having a mood disorder. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, it was a, it, it sucked going through that time and, and doing that self discovery, but definitely, like, absolutely made me more ready to, to kind of talk through and, and handle um, things that were getting thrown, us, thrown at us um, with our first son and, and talking about these new diagnoses and going through that process.
0: Thank you so much for being so open and honest with that, Um, Mm -hmm. by the way, because I don't think enough people are, and it helps so many people when we are open and honest with with that, just because there's so many people I feel like that are struggling in whatever way, you know? And um, so a a question, or I actually just kind of a, a statement going back to that point in that someone once told me, that they truly believe that we are given the children that we are supposed to have. You know, it's like, okay, you went through that experience and no doubt had such a level of empathy built because Mm -hmm. you yourself went through those things that what better person, what, what better parent to have for a child that has special needs. Um, than someone who has been through those things. I think that Mm -hmm. empathy is probably the biggest gift that someone can have. And Mm -hmm. you most definitely gained that, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And I, I spent that word specifically was the theme of many weekly therapy sessions, you know, on a work lunch hour, uh, with my therapist, like, yeah, I know, you know what it means to him. Like stop giving me the intellectual response. Let's talk emotional. Um, you're answering the question right, but you don't, I don't believe you, you know, you're no. not really empathetic to this situation or to that stuff. So that was something we very actively worked through. And, um, you know, coming to learn more now about like from autistic people talking about that, you know, there's a stereotype that autistic people aren't empathetic and that there's just, there's a disconnect with a lot of stuff like that. And come to find out that really there's quite a few autistic people that have kind of an extreme hyper empathy um, and feel things in, in really radical ways. And I couldn't, um, couldn't, uh, relate more to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you see that in your son, Rafa?
1: Hard to say. He's, uh, he's very, he is an emotional being. He's also, Mm -hmm. um, so the, the childhood apraxia of speech or verbal dyspraxia has really, uh, you know, cause a, a problem for him with speech. And that, that's, that's kind of our biggest thing that we focus on is speech. Um, so he's just now to the point where he kind of, uh, won't shut up in, in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we're, 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 we work very closely with him on, you know, he, he has a, quite a bit of aggression towards his little brother. And so we're trying to be like, you know, you talk him talk him through it after the fact, and then try to, uh, catch it in the bud the next time and go through that. So he, it's hard to say i, I think so he definitely in, in fact yes i can give you a perfect example he mm-hmm. doesn't if i have to get stern with his younger brother mm-hmm. he's like right at my side like my right hand man like enforcer being like <laughs> no emiliano papi said this and like you know i think he just really is a, an advocate for things that are supposed to be a certain way and yeah um you know, I that's like not the it's not exact one to one with empathy, but I definitely see it as, as connected in something that he's gonna, um, you know, benefit from slash have to deal with at points in his life.
0: That's a great point. Uh, benefit from and deal with because my son this was very early on. He has he has speech now, but you know, really early on, he had no words, no sounds, really, other than the stems that he would make. And there was one night. I was using one of those desensitization brushes inside his mouth before we were gonna brush mm-hmm. his teeth. And we were just playing around and I had been hearing so much that kids on the spectrum don't have that level of empathy. And so this was it was something that was weighing so heavy on me. And we were playing and he was kind of he would kind of bite down on my finger when I had it in his mouth, and then there was one time he really bit hard and it did hurt. And I kind of you know, jerked my finger out and I said, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. you hurt You hurt, mommy. I'm going to cry, you know, and tears started welling up in his eyes. And uh-huh. I thought, wow, OK, I know I'm OK. I'm, uh, I'm OK. We're just playing. But in that moment, uh, and I've used that example so many times, it was that moment that I knew that he had empathy. He just wasn't able to maybe express that the way that others may see mm-hmm. empathy as looking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and he is yeah. he's such a sensitive, sensitive kid, so much so that it's really hard for me to even discipline him because he gets his feelings hurt so easily. Um, so I I do believe that empathy. Is something that is very much a benefit for him, but also something that he is going to, because he feels things so strongly and because of a lot of our kids that feel things so strongly, it is something that they're mm-hmm. going to have to probably experience hurt with at times, a lot of mm-hmm. times in their life, unfortunately.
1: And the the semantics kind of around the word sensitive kind of implies like a societally at least, we talk about it in like a soft kind of way or, or something that a little mm-hmm. bit uh, more reserved but like definitely m- my son's sensitivities the output of that is is something the opposite of sensitive it's it's a it's an explosion of temp- a- anger or or mm-hmm. unhappiness or something like that but it definitely comes from his sensitivity
0: yes absolutely absolutely you're exactly right um so your wife along the what is your wife's name
1: my uh her name is Isabel.
0: Isabel. Okay. So you and Isabel yep. have been on this journey and now you have a second son. And how old is your mm-hmm. second son?
1: He's, ter- he's almost three. He's three in April.
0: Okay. And how has her journey been? Has she you know, struggled with a lot of the emotions as we all kind of struggle with? Or like you said, because you guys have been kind of on this journey for a while, did you guys just kind of both settle into it at the same time?
1: No, we, we definitely took different, different paths to, to where, to get to where we're at now. So she was, we had, uh, clearly we had a lot of problems with breastfeeding and and some stuff while Mm -hmm. Rafa was young. So when we got to that point with Emiliano, um, that's my younger son, he, he started having some weight gain issues and, you know, she just felt, you know, um, just like she wasn't doing her job. You know, she was, she has, the boobs that produce milk and she's supposed to feed this kid and um, yes. it just wasn't working. And she, you know, so then she was down on her, she yeah. was starting to feel sad about it. And um, I think there I mean, I know that some postpartum dis- um, depression came into play there mm-hmm. and it led up to the point it overlapped with the time where um, Rafa was diagnosed. So it, she was in this unfortunate spot, you know, that she had to deal with some things and then it kind of got layered on. So she actually took it really, really hard. And it, w- it was, I want to clarify that because it wasn't like, oh, woe is us, autism, life is over. It was she understanding that she wasn't in the spot she needed to be to support, you know, yes. him the best way that she could. She felt like she was failing our younger son because she couldn't feed him that well. And then, and at the same point, she couldn't, you know, get out of bed dealing with some other stuff to, to get up and, okay, well, what's next? What, what do we, what supports do we need to put in place and what do I need to learn and, and do all that?
0: Yeah. It is. It's, it's really tough, especially with the breastfeeding part. And I know you guys have probably, mm-hmm. you've probably heard your wife. You really do feel like at least I did kind of like you're failing as a mom, because that's one thing that's like, if you can't feed your kid, like mm-hmm. what, what, what good are you as a parent? That's how I felt. And so I can definitely empathize with her on that. Um, when you guys are, communicating like through all of this, like through the therapies, what kind of communication process do you and your wife have? Like, do you actually sit down and say, okay, put all the papers out on the table. This is, we have options A, B, C, you know, what are the pros and cons? What is your all's process to, for decision-making?
1: Yeah, we're actually just getting to that. Like what you just illustrated, we're, we're literally just getting there as we talk about kindergarten in the fall. mm mm-hmm. Um, but before everything's just been kind of organic, organic in that we started with, you know, we were started EI at four months old. So it was kind of like, we, we started trusting them very early on. And then we were, they were like, okay, he qualifies for OT now. And it's like, great. Okay, let's do it. Um, yeah. and we didn't have to have our, like the first tough conversations, um, until much later, you know, that was all, it's all whirlwind at that point, four months old, you're still not as parents, we're barely sleeping. everything the whole world thrown on its head so it was kind of like we don't know any different this is what we're what we're being told to do by people that we trust Mm -hmm. um so we just did it so a lot of a lot of things a lot of decisions early on were just small tweaks and so that was if she or I felt strongly and the other one didn't then we usually just kind of went with it um but we both like we both like to research we both like to um to have it out sometimes in like the yeah but that doesn't make sense if this and this, and you know just kind of debate it um mm-hmm. in a in a mostly healthy way. We've had some you know bad bad debates, but sure um, no now we're getting to a point where there's a lot more at stake, you know um second kid and um school and tuitions and um what supports we can get at the private school versus a, or a public school versus a private school and some you know privileged stuff that that we're in on, but um it's just been a, we have a, a very good balanced respect for each other in all things, you know, even beyond the parenting part of it. So uh, we've just been lucky that way. And um, yeah, it's just, it's an open dialogue. It's a, you've read more about it than I have, so I'm going to trust you on this. Um, or I have some questions uh, and and we just go from there.
0: That's so incredible to hear. It's just there's there's so many stories of success out there, and you guys are definitely one of them, meaning that you guys, anytime a loved one and a family is sick or has some special needs, you know, it can either bring a family closer together or sometimes just because of all of the emotional turmoil stuff, you can... It can like put a distance in between the people, and it sounds like mm-hmm. that you guys are are the success story in that. So I applaud you guys for working together. Mm-hmm. Thank it's you. So nice to hear. I, a refreshing. Yeah, thank you so
1: much. I I will say that for you know a lot of people from the outside looking in assume that that the autism diagnosis or other things that related to special needs are can be the problems or you know cause strife. But anyone that's a parent knows that parenting is ridiculously mm-hmm. hard. Right. And that's where our problem, any problems we have are, are based on the parenting, like the parenting aspect of our lives and not not anything specific to do with um, individual needs of our children. It, it's It's yes. just like parenting is really rough.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. So you have brought so much inspiration to not only the dads out there, because I see your Instagram page and your Instagram stories and all of these dads that are starting to share their autism dad stories. And it's just so, so cool because you are providing a voice for the voices that sometimes get lost in the shuffle, if you will. And, um, and so for all of the, um, the expertise and everything that you have learned along the way. I know that you are wanting to put some of those things into play, like as far as a couple of books um, that you have. Um, one of the the books is Eight Ways to Support an Autistic Child and Improve Yourself. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I guess that's going to be launching through the autismfieldguide.com. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So, I originally started the Instagram um, at Autism Dads as kind of research and development. I had a, a like a, a manic period over the holiday, I guess, uh, uh, not last year, so like two holidays ago mm-hmm. and wrote like 150 pages of a manuscript and like was really, you know, zealous and into it and everything. And then, you know, had a moment of clarity that like, um, you know, there's lots of things that I don't know. I've been on this journey for a year and a half or whatever it was at the time. And um, need to need to to learn more, you know, for myself to be a better voice within this text. So I started Autism Dads, and then kind of ran like, you know, it, it's kind of taken its off, and it's done its thing. And um, I've, you know, I learn selfishly. I learn just as much or more than anyone that's following. You know, it's 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 definitely a great two-way uh, street that the account.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so yeah, that just turned into a thing where starting to see, you know, being in touch with people and, and even locally around where we live in outside of Chicago, we go to groups and you see people that are struggling to get going um, or find their feet or find positivity or, um, you know, just, just to me they're just not in the right place yet. And, you know, this is a big community and we need to, I, I feel I need to do my part to, to make that something that, that is attainable for all parents. Yeah. So in on the flip side of that, we see a lot of people like um, big organizations that get lots and lots of money that start kind of with a welcome packet to how to deal with autism. And there's lots of mm-hmm. fear and sadness and, and everything kind of weaved through those stories. Yeah. And that so that's just something that I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. And um, so the the big idea is that there's going to be a series of books and it's all under the umbrella of the autism field guide. As mm-hmm. I grow and I learn, I can then document that and put it into a book form. So the first, Full book will be the Autism Field Guide, a book for parents of newly diagnosed children, mm-hmm. and it's just really going to be a look at um, a realistic but very hopeful, hope-filled, and, and kind of inspirational book that that says, you know, th- these are potential places to get started. And it's by all means, it's not going to provide all the answers. It's going to provide the reader as a way to uh, build a book of best practices and and something specific to their experience and their child or children. Um, And kind of their, their situation. So in working, I've been working very hard on that over the last few months to try to get it going. And in the process kind of had this subtext come out of it. That was um, what you were talking about, the eight ways to support an autistic child and improve yourself. Mm -hmm. So we have all these lists and um, guides and accounts and everything that are like how to change the child, you know, for the better quote unquote unquote. Um, how to, you know, how to help them succeed and do that. But it always focuses on changing the child. So what I wanted to do is take everything I've learned and say, how have I changed myself or am I in the process of changing myself to best support my, my child yes. that, that is autistic? So it's, you know, it's, it's just things like respect the stim, you know, like if, it's mm-hmm. just, if stimming isn't hurting anybody or themselves, just let it be. You know, it's, it's a coping mechanism. It's very important for them as a regulation technique um, practice self-care. Um, I know you talked about with the autism dad about, uh, about that before.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So it's like just kind of practical, almost come kind of common sense. You know, now that I'm in the clear, I would call it common sense when you're not, it's hard to see that way. Yeah. So it's, you know, here's eight techniques, um, or eight things that you can tackle as a parent with some recommendations on how to think about it and how to get there. Like, I don't, I'm not going to spell out how to get there because just as each autistic kiddo is completely different in, in the way they experience life, we all same as parents and and our situations. So, um, yeah, I've gotten, I had a handful of, of my autistic friends give it a read over to make sure I'm not, you know, saying anything wrong or making sure everything's in the right context. And then, um, a handful of, uh, parents with older autistic kids. So people have been on the journey a long time and that I really look up to, um, I'm actually later today going to compile all that feedback and, and kind of put it together. So I'm really excited about it though. The feedback's really been great. And it's just about, you know, it's letting parents know that some, some things that, some things are okay. They're going to happen. They suck, but it's fine. Um, and then just like, you know, think about how you're talking to your kid. Are, are you listening to the autistic community or are you listening to, um, uh, you know, quote unquote professionals that consider, to know things they know better. Um, And just, you know, I can't define everyone else's comfort zone, but this would be my framework for for helping someone kind of um, understanding where they feel the the best in supporting their child. Wow,
0: that's really cool. It sounds like you've put a ton of work into it. I know when I went to your Instagram page uh, initially, you even had a survey that I guess you Mm -hmm. were asking people to fill out. So I think you've done such a magnificent job in just letting people know that, hey, it's, yes, I'm the one that's putting this information together. And I've been researching, you know, two years now, essentially on, um, mm-hmm. online, but it's really the voices of the entire community you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not just your voice. It's really taking everyone's voice into consideration and, um, you know, good job with that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm psyched I'm on the surveys. We've got I've gotten almost a hundred parents that have taken the survey and I'm working with a couple autistic people to try to uh, get that link out there for a few more, uh, you know, of, of, uh, a few, few more autistic people, but it's been really insightful to see the themes and the one-offs, um, and some stuff that like, you know, in my situation, I never had to think of. So it's, it's you know, that's you a know. perspective that I need to be able to include in anything I'm writing yeah. um, that, you know, I'd, I'm not dealing with it, but that doesn't mean that lots of people aren't.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Everybody's journey is different. That's in a mm-hmm. million different ways. But I always say that we always have one goal and that's just to make sure that our child is living a fulfilling life and they're happy. Mm-hmm. And whatever that happiness looks like, we just want to make sure they get there. And, uh, that's the, that's kind of our role as a parent, (laughs) you know, it's, it's kind Mm -hmm. of changing our expectations and letting our child lead us and, uh, to where they want to go and just making sure they don't fall on their face, uh, I guess along the way. Or even,
1: even if they kind of do fall on their face that we're there to pick them up and either set them on the right path and bandage them up or apologize or whatever it is we have to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that will teach them how to get back up, you know, Mm -hmm. but Tim, if there's one last parting thing that you say to the autism dads out there, what would that be? Mm. It's kind of tough because there's so much. Yeah.
1: I think with the autism dads, you know, for, for dads or any parents that are struggling with the, either acceptance or understanding their role and kind of how to, how to help. You know, I'm an introvert. I I don't do good in like the meetups, like the in person meetups and that. So just find find a place that you're comfortable in, in learning and consuming and um that could just be books um in a dark room. That could be, you know, Facebook groups or Instagram accounts. But there's so many um manifestations of allies and advocates, uh, Mm -hmm. for, you know, parents or the autistic community that you can find what don't settle, don't settle for something, you know, but if you need, um, I was talking to a guy just yesterday on Instagram that is from Chicago area. And, um, you know, I'm trying to see if I can help him find something that, uh, he just feels more comfortable, um, with his Latino community and something maybe in Spanish. So by all means, that's going to exist, that's going to exist somewhere. Um, you know, and then it's like, you don't, if you have a child that's not speaking right now, um, or maybe the opposite, if you have a a child that is an autistic child that is speaking, you know, you might not find a ton of worth in a, in a non-speaking or non-verbal Facebook group. So just Mm -hmm. find that space because once you find it, you'll see how beneficial it is. And, um, you know, there's someone was telling me that their husband was like, you know, my husband wants a meetup group, but he knows that if they go out to get some drinks, they're definitely not going to talk about, you know, autism and parenting an autistic child. They're going to talk about everything else. Um, and it's just so her husband was trying to find, you know, what was the, what was the community or the instrument that they could talk about it. So it ended up being a Facebook group. And um, for any dads out there, there is a Facebook group that's called autism dads in it together. That's really, really awesome. Okay. Um, it's really active. Um, everybody's, you know very supportive it seems to be on the same page um yeah i I think just keep keep looking for the place that you feel comfortable that lets you spread your wings that lets you whatever you untuck your shirt take off your hat um and just kind of whether you sit on the sidelines and watch and listen and take it all in or whether you or you're active and asking questions or um you know finding your way that way I, i think just just find the spot that makes you comfortable and it's a whole new whole new whole new game then
0: wow great advice um tim it's been such a pleasure talking with you i feel like i've known you forever because i follow all of your stuff (laughs) online yeah but uh that's the beauty of having that online community that you just talked about uh that we can all just kind of look and all of the different autism journeys that everyone's going on and learning from each other. Mm -hmm. And I've Mm -hmm. learned so much from you. And just thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open and honest with all of us. I know that there are a lot of listeners out there that appreciate that. And um, just best of luck and all the love to you and your family.
1: Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for having me on.
0: To all the dads out there that are traveling on this autism journey, thank you so much for everything that you do. We see you. You are a very important member of our autism tribe. Thanks for joining me this week and thanks for being a part of my autism tribe. I'll see you next week.